Again, it is good to be here. We appreciate you being here, especially if you're visiting with us and we have some visitors. We appreciate them coming being with us. If you will, open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. This evening a group participated in a class on fall prevention. Now I believe that Nicole covered some techniques on how to prevent one from falling. But I think she also covered some things on what to do if you do fall. How to get up back onto your feet. And that's very important because often in this life we may fall, physically speaking. Now this morning, or this evening, I want to talk for just a few minutes about fall prevention, spiritually speaking. Because that too can happen. I want us to talk about how to prevent ourselves from falling. How can we prevent that from happening? And not only that, what can we do when it does happen? Now there is a doctrine taught in the religious world that says once a person gains salvation from God, cannot be lost. Now that's a false teaching. It's not a false teaching because I say it is. It's a false teaching because it does not agree with the Bible. And that's our source of knowledge. We're going to notice that in just a few moments. Paul warned the Galatians about falling from grace. I want us to look at Galatians 5 verses 1 through 4. Hold your finger there in 2 Peter and turn over to Galatians 5. Let's begin with verse 1. Paul wrote this, admonishing the reader to stand fast. Well, that kind of fits in with our fall prevention, doesn't it? Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, the yoke of bondage here is not the sins of this world, but it is the old law. The problem was those in Galatia were trying to leave Christianity to return to a Jewish law that had been abolished. Paul says, Behold, I say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. They wanted to pick and choose certain parts of the old law that they could use as an outward show of being a follower of God. He says, If you choose that, you have to do the whole law. We can't pick and choose laws that God has given to us. If you're going to be a part of the old law, he says, you have to be a part, you have to do all of it. Now he wasn't admonishing them to go back to the old law. He was simply pointing out that they wanted to, we might say, cherry pick a few things and add that to Christianity. He said, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever is justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Well, that completely contradicts this false teaching that we're talking about, that you can never fall from grace. Paul said you could. And that's good enough for me, and I think, and I know that's good enough for you. So, understanding that we can fall from grace, let's look at really what we want to talk about. How do we prevent that fall from happening? Well, let's consider that. And in order to do that, let's turn our pages of the Bible back to 
2 Peter chapter 1. Let us read together the first ten verses of Paul's or Peter's second letter. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. He said, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, now notice what he says, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity or love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Well, that's what we want, fall prevention, right? We want to attain the grace of God, we want to be able to live in the, in the promises of these great things that God has given to us, and we want to remain there. So how do we prevent ourselves from falling spiritually? Well, we do that by implementing what the Holy Spirit has commanded for us through the pen of Peter the Apostle. And how do we do that? Well, we have to have, the first, we have, to have first the full knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want us to notice for just a few moments... Let's break down this passage and let's begin with Paul or Peter's greeting. His greeting. This is our first point. Peter is the writer. He identifies himself as a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I believe over the course of Peter's life he came to realize a few things. We see in Peter's writings that he went from the impetuous apostle to someone who was grounded in the faith, someone to whom we could listen, and someone who would teach the truth. And given his name, I want us to notice he used his old Hebrew name, Simon, as well as his new name that Jesus gave to him, Peter. I think what we see here is a natural picture of Peter, now an old man at the time of this writing, reflecting back upon the changes that happened in his life because of Jesus. He went from the old name that he had, Simon, to the new name, Peter. But that's what Christ does, isn't it? He never left someone unchanged. He started life as this fisherman, Simon. But then he became a servant. He became an apostle. And his new name was Peter. Now I want us also to notice that first and foremost, he identified himself as a servant of Jesus. That was his first job in this world. That's our job, isn't it? He was first a servant, 
And then he told what his office was, ordained of Jesus Christ. He was an apostle. He became a servant of Jesus by being a member of the one church that Christ said he would build, Matthew 16, verse 18. And we read as we look at the history of the church and the acts of the apostles that that is exactly what happened. Acts 20, verse 27, Jesus purchased the church with his own blood. In fact, he's called God in that passage, isn't he? Because he is God. Of course, then again, he gave the office of which there were only 12 original apostles. There were 14 in total. Judas hanged himself. Bartholomew took the place of the fallen Jesus or Judas, and then later Paul would become an apostle of Christ. That makes 14. And so, he wants to, us to understand that his first place in the body is being a servant. That's who the writer is of this passage. Then he turns his attention to the recipients. To whom was he writing? He calls them those of like precious faith. Those who were brought to Jesus by that same faith, the gospel system of faith, that brought Peter to him. The one that Christ brought into this world by help of the apostles. Now particularly this faith here, Peter is talking about our personal faith, right? But only when we get down to these characteristics we're going to notice. Those of like precious faith is a reference to the gospel system of faith. The gospel system of faith causes us to have personal faith. Christ's message is the gospel system of faith. When we read Jude verse 3, we see that the faith was once for all delivered. There's no modern day revelation. We're not in need of any modern day revelation. Why? Well, what did Peter say in our passage? We have all things that pertain unto life and godliness. We do not need a modern day revelation. We have what God has left for us. Well, those who had obtained like precious faith in the immediate context were those Christians living in Asia Minor at the time. But does it apply to us as well? Well, it better, hadn't it? If it doesn't have application to us, it does us no good. He also explained that the faith they received came from the righteousness of God in our Savior Jesus Christ. That's the source. We can't go outside of the Bible. Tell us something that we know about the uh, about Jesus or God or the Holy Spirit or how to be a Christian that we don't learn in the Bible. There's nothing. We have to go to that source. So, like Paul stated, we are to stand and we can only do that in Jesus. So he's making this comment to those of like precious faith. But what was his greeting? What did he want them to have? Well, he made the statement. He said, grace and peace. He wanted it to be multiplied among them through Jesus Christ our Lord. But not just simply by knowing that Christ existed, but he said through the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. So we have to do a little investigation, don't we? We have to look into the Bible and we have to learn some things. If we want to prevent falling, we have to understand how to do that. I think that is a significant addition. I think Peter is making a counterattack to those that were teaching false doctrine of his time. They said they had the knowledge. They were Gnostics. 
It said they were all knowing. They didn't need the words of Christ. So he's making a counterattack. And it's only within the sphere of God's knowledge that we can learn to stand and prevent ourselves from falling. Now Peter goes from his greeting to the presentation of the gospel. That's our second point. We notice the gospel. Within the gospel, we find the completeness of Christ's knowledge. We can become complete in Christ's knowledge. And that's what we must do if we want to prevent falling. Notice that he began verse 3 with the word according. We might use the phrase, seeing that. He wants grace and peace to be multiplied amongst us through the knowledge of Jesus. And seeing that, which Christ has given to us, His knowledge, we find that in the divine writings. So seeing that He wants us to have grace and peace, where do we gain that? From Christ, from His knowledge. And so He moves into the gospel. That's our source. Now we all have what we need that pertains unto life and godliness. Again, we don't need an outside source. We can learn everything we need to know on how to live a faithful Christian life in this world from the Scripture. Because He's preserved it for us. That's the wisdom of God, isn't it? He preserved for us that which we need. He said it was through His knowledge, the knowledge of the One who has called us. And how are we called? Through the Gospel. That's what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 14. For we're called by His Gospel. We don't have a faint whisper in the night. We don't have a feeling that says, well, I know I'm doing right, because sometimes we may think we're doing right when we're not. Right? And so we have to go where the facts lie. We have to look at the black and the white. We have to open the pages and read the words of the Holy Spirit penned by those men that God chose. So He's provided us this knowledge, and it is through this knowledge, He says, we can become partakers of the divine nature. We can become more like God every day. Not in the sense that we become gods. There are uh, teachings in the world that says we can. But we take upon ourselves the characteristics that God wants us to have. Understanding how we come to the complete knowledge of Jesus through the Word, then He begins to talk about qualities. Qualities that we must have. If we're going to prevent ourselves from falling, we must have these qualities. I want us to notice too that, that God is not going to do for us what we can do for ourselves. He's not going to make us be godly. He's not going to make us search out knowledge. He's not going to make us have moral excellence. He's not going to make us do those things. He's not going to do for us what we can do for ourselves. He gave us the foundation, and it is upon that foundation that we must build and acquire these qualities. I want us also to notice that He did not command us to come up with our own faith, right? Again, He's not going to do for us what we, cannot, what we can do for ourselves, but He will do for us what we cannot do. He delivered the gospel system of faith. It is through the gospel system of faith, Romans 10, 17, that we acquire our personal faith. So He's going to give us that. 
He's going to give us the standard by which to live. And then Peter talks about seven qualities upon which we must build on that foundation. Now, to our faith, he says we are to add virtue. That's moral excellence. Virtue is moral excellence. That is a desire to do what God says is right. That is a desire to turn away from the sins of this world and put forth our effort to do that which is right. And that's something that every Christian can do. That is something that we must do. We might call it resolve. I resolve to do something. I'm dedicated to doing it. We have to have that quality. To our virtue, we're to add knowledge. Within our gained knowledge, what are we going to, uh, what are we going to have? He says temperance. Temperance. We might say patience. We might say, uh, or rather self-control. That's what temperance is. Being able to control ourselves. The Christian life is a life of self-control. Right? We must be able to hold back the the physical appetites of this life, and keep them in check. Again, we have a counterattack. What did the false teachers of the day say? Knowledge led to liberty. Liberty means no restriction. Do you remember back in the 60's what the anthem was? If it feels good, do it. Hey, that wasn't original with that generation of derelicts. That was going on in Peter's time. If it feels good, do it. You have liberty and that comes through knowledge. Peter says, that's not correct. Knowledge brings self-control if I want to prevent myself from falling. To our self-control, we're to add patience. We might call this perseverance because self-control is something we do every day. It's not something we do every once in a while. We have to persevere. We have to be dedicated. We have to use our moral excellence and allow it to develop and become what God expects us to come. How do we do that? Well, we bring our bodies in subjection. We control ourselves. Isn't that what Paul said he He did? I bring my body in subjection. He said, I don't want to also be a castaway. So I control myself. I have perseverance. We must remain steadfast. We have to have a desire to remain steadfast, right? How can, I be, how can I be strong in God? Well, at first I have to want to be, right? I have to have a desire to do that. I have to be able to resist and remain faithful no matter the pressures or the temptations of this life. To our perseverance, he says, we're to add godliness. Well, from the Scripture we learn what is right and what is wrong. And those things are what we add to our lives. We're building up on this foundation of faith. And we have to do that. The Christian is going to reverently seek to please God in all things. We've mentioned this before, but it is worth reminding ourselves. We must live a godly life, period. We do not have our, quote, church lives and then we have our everyday lives, right? One is not separate from the other. We live simply a godly life, whether we're at work, whether we're at school, whether we're doing whatever it is that we're doing, we must remain faithful and godly. And we do that by persistence. And then we become more like God each day. Well, what do we add to our godliness? Brotherly kindness. We're all a member of the same family. Those who have obeyed the gospel, 
those who have become Christians. And if we love the Father, what must we also do? Love His children. Because he, they are begotten of the Father. We ought to have a special affection for one another. We ought to deliberately look for opportunities to help each other when we are in need. That's what we do. That helps us to remain steadfast. Now we have to, again, look at what the times were doing. Brotherly kindness, we have another counterattack from Paul. The false teachers of the day were characterized with selfishness. But you must be selfish if you have no restrictions in your life, right? Let me tell you what I read in the news just recently. It's very sad to me. I don't remember in what state of our nation this happened, but there's a young girl recently graduated from high school, and now she is in being held in jail. They found the remains of her recently born child in her backyard. She had dug a hole, and she had murdered that child and placed that baby in that hole. Now, do you know how her lawyer described her? Just recently graduated from high school. She wasn't a drinker. She wasn't a smoker. She was even on the cheerleading team. She's a good girl. Well, you know what she is? She's a murderer. She murdered a a child. And we're going to say she's a good girl? Well, see... Knowledge of the world, like these false teachers of this day, say there's no restrictions in this life. Do what you feel is right. To you, personally, right? We're not worried about the standard of the Bible. See, that's not what knowledge brings. Knowledge brings self-control, responsibility, godliness, brotherly kindness, not just for those of like precious faith, but for those who are not Christians. And then we're able to reach out to the world and we're able to extend and help them understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we need to do. If we have these qualities, what did Peter say? We're not going to be barren and we're not going to be unfruitful. That's what we want. How do we keep from falling? We spend our time developing these characteristics in our lives based on the Scripture and we have a whole lot less time in this life to live in a sinful manner. If this young girl had been striving to be godlike, and she had been working with others to try to bring them to the gospel after having obeyed the gospel, and trying to build these qualities in her life, she wouldn't have had time to murder her child. That wouldn't have crossed her mind. When we live in this life and we live like God wants us to, We're going to be able to prevent our falling. Is it going to be easy? Well, let me ask you this. Is it always easy to not fall physically in this life? Have we ever climbed on a ladder? I remember years ago, I'd climbed up on a ladder and I was about 15 feet off the ground and I was cutting a limb off an oak tree. limb was about this big around and and I had the ladder on one side. The guy I was working with said, No, I think the tree limb's going to go that way. I said, No, I believe it's going to come on the other side. He said, You better move the ladder. So, ceding to what I thought was his great wisdom and knowledge, I did that. And when the limb cut, it came back and hit me in the shoulder and knocked me about 10 feet away from where I was with that chainsaw in my hand. How I kept from being killed, I don't know. 
I hit the ground, I kind of tumbled, I'd thrown the chainsaw, jumped up, and I began to feel myself, make sure I had all my fingers and toes and legs and arms, and I fell. I didn't want to fall, but I fell anyway. It's not easy to always prevent us from falling physically in this world, and brethren, it's not going to be easy to prevent our falling spiritually either. But we have to be diligent. Isn't that what Peter said? Be diligent to make your calling and your election sure. The calling is by the gospel. My election is choosing to obey it. Make sure you do that. Be diligent in that. That's how we prevent ourselves from falling spiritually. But we have to begin by becoming faithful, by being a Christian. Now there's a pattern found in the New Testament. It isn't a faith only. It isn't a works only. It's a faith in Christ Jesus it's a repentance of past sins. It's a confession that He is who He said He was. We see all of that in the Bible. So then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, Romans ten seventeen. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, Acts two thirty eight. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation, Romans 10, 10. Immersion in water, why? Ananias said it was to wash our sins away. Paul said it put us into the body, added us to Christ, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. And then faithful living, trying to perfect or complete these qualities in our lives. That's how we stop or prevent ourselves from falling. But once we become Christians, sometimes we will stumble in this life. And so what do we do when we do fall? Well, see, we want to understand how to get up in this physical world when we fall. How do I get up when I fall spiritually? Well, when we're walking in the light, 1 John 1, verse 7, the blood of Jesus will continually cleanse us. But sometimes I step outside of the light. James said, confess your faults one to another, right? The, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. When we fall in this life and we, we need to come back to, uh, to God, we need to repent of those sins in our lives. We need to make that confession of the wrongs that we've done. Sometimes we have to do that publicly. Sometimes we do it privately with God depending on how we've sinned, right? If I can go to a person and apologize for something I've done, I can do that just with me and that individual alone. If I sin in a public way and, and the whole town knows about it or a great majority of people know about it or people know who I am, they know I'm a member of the Lord's church and they say, well, Rick's out doing all sorts of things. They must think that's okay over there at the Church of Christ. Well, that's not okay, so I need to make a public repentance. I need to own what I've done, ask God to forgive me, ask the church to forgive me for bringing shame and reproach. And then we can pray, and God will forgive us. That's what John said in 1 John 1. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Isn't that wonderful news? When we fall, we can get right back up by His help. If you have need to answer this Lord's invitation, whether you've never obeyed the gospel or whether you have and you've fallen, get back up today. Be in a covenant relationship with God. Let that be known as we stand and as we sing.